Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We don't have to walk like that, but we can walk like this. You know when we do that sometimes? When we're around sinners. I'm not like them. Lynn and I were driving back the other night in US 1 or whatever, and we saw young ladies on the road, 10 o'clock at night. You know what they're there for. Does your heart go out? Or do you say, well, I'm glad I'm not like them. Without God's grace, we are like them. Everybody wants to feel important and like their lives matter. A lot of people, though, have been made to feel that they have little or no value. Suicides and drug use have climbed massively, due in a lot of ways to many in society thinking that they're worthless. And then you have people who think too highly of themselves, becoming a pain to those around them. Pastor Mark will be teaching today the proper way for the Christ follower to think of themselves. You'll learn about the real value that God places on all people. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he begins his message, Steps of Faith. start in Hebrews chapter 11. When you visit much of the world, if you do travel a lot, you discover that in many parts of the world, people love to walk. And in fact, where I'm going in India, the main mode of transportation is simply walking. Here in the United States, we have a very small percentage of people, comparatively to the world, that walk on a regular basis. And Linda and I have learned it's healthy, so we try to walk about 30 minutes, four or five times a week, and I do a few other things other than that, and it's really good for your body, and it's good for your mind, and it's good for your emotions, and we're going to see there's a man named Enoch who, kind of the thing that would be put on his grave marker, if he had a grave marker, but he didn't, would be that he walked with God. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We gave you this definition. Very simply, what is faith? It's a complete confidence that God will do what he said or what he's promised. Then we talked to you about active faith, which means active faith is believing and then acting upon it. You'll see this with Noah. He believed God, said there was going to be a flood, so he acted on it. So 
God doesn't want just faith in us. Well, I believe the promises. Yeah, it's really going to happen. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a second coming. The world's going to be destroyed by fire. Well, I believe that, God. No, he wants you to take that to the role of active faith. To follow through and say, okay, I need to win the lost. I need to live a holy life. All of those different areas. And it doesn't matter about how you feel or what you think. You absolutely know God's going to do that. Now, look down to verse 5, chapter 11. By faith... Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, if you will, turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Now remember the context of this book. It's not just a nice little history lesson for us in the book of Genesis. This book, first book in the Bible, is about, Hebrews here, is about a group of Jewish believers who have converted to following Jesus. They're being persecuted for it. They're thinking of going back. And as all of this is happening, the writer, I think, Paul, we're not sure, doesn't identify himself, is telling these people, no, you need to have faith. God promised to bring you through it. And let me give you a little history lesson from your relatives. Just hang in there. Genesis 5, verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he had become the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, as you see all of those numbers of years, if you're a life insurance agent in those days, you're pretty poor. People just live forever. Little writers. We know that because before the flood, there was this amazing kind of environment that was very different than our environment today. Kind of this little protective, we don't really know what it was, a covering that for some reason enabled people to live just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Of course, after the flood, we see that moving down. And of course, we're down to the age now that 70, 80, 90, if somebody gets to 100, it's very exceptional. The background, remember, as we studied, Adam and Eve originally had two sons, Cain and Abel. God blessed them, and the replacement for Abel was named Seth. And from this godly line, the Messiah would come through Seth. In this line of Seth is this man called Enoch. His name means dedicated. Now look at verse 22. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. In that verse, verse 22, you might want to circle the word after. Let me give you the application. Notice that before Methuselah was born, the first son of Enoch, Enoch walked not with God. He lived 65 years. 
God seemingly wasn't on his radar screen. There wasn't much happening. As we know, as you'll see in a moment, the world was pretty well already incredibly evil. Man just did whatever he wanted to do. But at the birth of his first son, Methuselah, something changed. And this is very much still true today. Maybe not as much, but the principle holds. First thing to write down is this. The birth of a child often becomes a spiritual turning point for parents. Those of you that are parents, you understand the great birth. I was reading it, being introduced to an individual not long ago who was basically an atheist, didn't believe in God, didn't believe in any of that kind of jazz until he had his first son. When that child came and he watched the birth, he said, I don't know what was wrong with me. How could that not be directed by a God? There has to be a God. And he changed. Well, it's the very same thing here. Evidently, in those days, like a father would now, Enoch looks down at Methuselah and he's beginning to think, this is amazing. And then he begins to think, because I believe God puts this in us, he he begins to think that there's going to be some kind of spiritual responsibility here. You see, when you bring a child into the world, it's very different than having puppies and all the rest and animals and that we love. A child is made in the image of God. This child's going to live somewhere forever. And even though they didn't understand all of that very clearly, although Enoch had an interesting understanding of end times, you'll see that in a moment, I believe in many parents, this is an opportunity for God to speak to a heart. They've just seen this incredible birth, especially today when all the dads can go in the delivery room and all the rest, and it's just a beautiful thing. So as they're also looking at that child, they're thinking, not only going to live forever, but this child's going to model himself after me, after mom. And I think there's that responsibility that comes. We have a wonderful program here called MOPS, Mothers of Preschool Children. If you know new moms that aren't connected to a church, this is a great program to get them plugged into because it's non-threatening. It's not not super, super deep spiritual. It's just moms come together of new children and they learn how to handle the kids and all the common things that go with new moms. And of course, there is a spiritual aspect. There's a devotion time or whatever, but it's not really heavy. It's just to introduce them that Christianity has the answers for life. So kind of look for that. If you're in a neighborhood and you drive by your neighborhood and you see balloons outside a house, brand new baby or whatever, pray for an opportunity. Knock on the door. Say when your baby's ready to come to church, we have a great kids program, a great place for you to leave your child. There's people that care for them and you can come into the service and just great ways for us to do that. Now, what did Enoch believe about God? Where was the change here? What really happened? Well, first of all, I believe that he believed at this point God existed. Maybe that wasn't settled in his mind. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I believe at the birth of this child, faith began to rise in Enoch. 
he began to understand that it wasn't just he and his wife that created this child. He saw if there's creation, there's got to be a creator. He began to see this. You see, foolish for us to think a watch would just, from the beginning of time, come together, just a simple little watch, and all of it would just be perfect. It would tell exact time. And yet, man says the world came together. When we look at our bodies, come on. So Enoch, when he saw this child, he had faith. Can we prove it? No, but it's logical. It simply makes sense. So at the age of 65, he began to walk with God. He turned from walking and following self, and for the next 300 years, he followed God. Now, he believed God was the only true God. Of course, Seth and his relatives would have been telling them that, but he had to come to it himself. And because he understood that, he began to worship God. Well, his worshiping God was two-part. What is worship? Well, it isn't just raising our hands and singing, and we enjoyed that so much tonight. Here's a great definition of worship. Worship is telling God he's number one in our lives and then living that way. See, it's more than just saying God. It's following it through with a lifestyle that simply means that. And walking with God illustrates walking by faith, walking in the light, and walking together in agreement. Now, in Romans 12, we have this belief in a God and then active faith in a God. Not just believing there's a God, but active faith. Let me read it to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, all of a sudden, we know that Enoch was walking according to the world. But then God changed him. And he began to realize that there was a creator. He was part of that. This child was going to live somewhere forever. There was a real God. And he changed from walking after self and walked after God. Actually walked with God. Now, we know that the world where Enoch was placed was filled with great wickedness. We'll see that in a moment. And yet he was able to live a godly life and please God in spite of his circumstances. Sometimes we look at our country today in America. You know what's happened morally to our country. Worse, many times overseas. People say, well, I can't really be that person. Because the world is just too evil. No, that's wrong. Here is Enoch, and he's able to live a godly life in spite of those surroundings. And he didn't even have the Holy Spirit in him, because that didn't happen except for a few people in the Old Testament, like we do today. And we do know that he tried to challenge and change his friends to repent just like he did, and to seek God. But we know 
that not much good really, really happened. Keep your finger there right in Genesis. And I want you to turn back to a little book of Jude, right by the book of Revelation, toward the end of your Bible, Jude, and look at verse 14 and 15. 14 and 15. And then we're going to turn to one more passage. Jude, 14 and 15. Now, you're going to see when you see this verse that it's kind of strange to us because it looks like Enoch is a prophet. I have for you on the overhead the New Living Translation. That's what I'll read. But it's obvious that God, as as Enoch walked with God, God gave him some amazing insights that were so far ahead of his time. Look at verse 14 to 15 in your Bibles. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So what do you see there? Well, you see the preaching that Enoch did in his day. And what did he preach? Well, he preached things that would happen so many years later. He knew there was, number one, a coming Savior. I don't know how he knew that other than God spoke it into him. He knew there was a coming judgment, a worldwide judgment. And he knew there was a coming reward for those people that knew God. In essence, he knew many of the truths of the book of Revelation in a kind of a mini format. Isn't that amazing to you? Back in the Old Testament, he knew these things. So he would explain these things as a preacher. He would explain these things to the people and say, there's judgment coming. You need to be right with God. Now, what was the world like in those days? Notice at the end, we already know what kind of world he's living in. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done. So we know that the normal lifestyle was very ungodly. And for all the insults that the ungodly sinners have spoken against who? God. So what was man doing there? He was living terrible against God. And he was what? Cursing God, making fun of God, using God's name in vain, even at that day. And so Enoch was this amazing man who was led to speak about those things. Now, later, Noah, the great-grandson of Enoch, continues in that line And he preaches judgment as well. That judgment would be a closer judgment. We'll see it in a moment. It's not the book of Revelation, but it would be the judgment of the flood. And he would speak about the same thing. Now, turn to Micah, Old Testament, Micah. Last half of the Old Testament, a prophet, Prophet Micah. When we studied this whole book, we went through it verse by verse. Let's turn to Micah 6, 8. What does it mean when we walk with God? What's that look like? What kind of lifestyle is that? Well, Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, tells us exactly how that looks. I'll wait for a moment till you get there. 
There's an index in the front of your Bible. It's not a problem. The Lord didn't seem to make it alphabetical, did he? Micah 6.8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Well, here's what God requires. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To do justly. To do justly simply means to do the right thing. Simply to do the right thing. So if I'm going to say I'm a person that walks with God, I need to live justly. I need to do the right thing. Whether anybody's looking or not looking, I just do the right thing. Now, to be honest, we don't always do that. And that's why we love grace. And then to love mercy. To love mercy. I love mercy. I want mercy. Mercy simply means not getting what you deserve. I love it. I don't like it for you, but I like it for me. You laugh, but see, when somebody else is doing you wrong, you want them to pay for it. Or if you're ever driving and you're doing the speed limit and the guy goes right by you, you're praying, Jesus, send a cop somewhere, send a policeman. And if you go down the road and the light's on and he's pulled over, what do you do? I mean, you're singing praise the Lord and hallelujah. Well, that's not the right way to be. The reason we laugh is because we're all guilty in this room. You want to have mercy for other people. You want to be a merciful person if you're going to walk with God. By the way, God's very merciful. We don't get what we deserve. Thank God. Also, we're to walk humbly... With our God. That word walk in the, uh, in the Hebrew language means to walk continually, conversantly, to follow, to go forward. It's a walk of humility. A walk of humility. Just ask yourself, are you walking as a humble person? Is there humility in your walk? Or are you prideful in your walk? You know, if we watch any of these Shows with the new designers or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Would you say that's walking humbly with God? No, you're trying to, what? Show your tush off and all the rest of the things and the outfits. You see, but we don't have to walk like that. But we can walk like this. You know when we do that sometimes? When we're around sinners. I'm not like them. Lynn and I were driving back the other night in US 1 or whatever, and we saw young ladies on the road 10 o'clock at night. You know what they're there for. Does your heart go out? Or do you say, well, I'm glad I'm not like them? Without God's grace, we are like them. We have nothing to be proud of in ourselves. Be careful that we don't become these pride people because we think we're good. There's nothing good in us unless God's in there. Walk humbly. I believe that Enoch realized that before it was too late. Then there's a walk of fellowship. That word means conversant. 
Pastor Mark taught today about what faith is. You learn that faith is the complete confidence that God will keep his word. You also found out that simply believing isn't enough. You have to act on the words you hear. Pastor Mark told you about Enoch, who was a guy living his own life until his first son was born. He then followed God for the rest of his life. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Steps of Faith. He'll be talking more about Enoch and how he exhibited active faith in his life. You'll find out how that can work in your life and how you can become a more complete Christ follower. Pastor Mark will show you how even when it seems like the pressure to stop following God is extreme, you can win against that pressure. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting